0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Emanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We are so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at emmanuelag.com. For the past two weeks, we have been looking at examples in Scripture that help us move from a life as a victim to life as a victor. And I wasn't sure when we started this topic how long we would camp out on this idea. And I'm thinking we may land this plane today, but I'm not sure. We'll see. And when we first began this series, I shared how this was a topic I believe that the Lord put in my heart nearly a year ago. I tend to be a little hard-hearted, so God gave me plenty of time to chew on the thoughts He was dropping within me even then. I began to think back over my life, reflecting on the ways that my perspective and my ways of thinking were correlating to what I was seeing in our society. I was particularly focused on how victimization was gaining popularity, and it was becoming more and more appealing to remain a victim in order to be heard, to have a louder voice, and to be considered as even being right. I noticed the danger that this was even leading into some big ways when celebrities could falsely claim that something unjust or racial or profiling occurred to them, even if it actually did not, so that they could simply have more publicity and see themselves in the headlines. I begin to notice this in the same way that we live in small ways, such as how we manipulate situations for how we want them to be by making claims of victimization. What I have to be careful about is not minimizing the reality that some of us have faced, acknowledging that there are hardships, unjust acts, and prejudiced opinions that have had far too much influence for far too long. But when we begin to give more credence to the wrong things, the bad things that have happened in our life will become evils that have too much power keeping us where we are versus moving towards what God has for us. And as mentioned before, we see God at work in our life through how we know Him, become like Him, and live like Him. It's what I call know, be, do. Do. I believe it is after we encounter God, when we begin to really know him for who he is and who he reveals himself to be through his word, that we begin to walk in right understanding. And this is what I call orthodoxy. And when we have right understanding or right teaching, then we can begin to see the effects of right understanding on how we live. Our orthodoxy has a direct impact on our orthopraxy. Right understanding leads to right living. And we no longer have to give the enemy another inch in our lives, but instead can live the full life that he created us to live. When we give our voice to being a victim, we minimize the effects of what Christ has done for us. So in the mode of recapping what we have been talking about the past couple of weeks, let's look at some of the right understanding that we get from Scripture based on the experiences we have in this life. First, Jesus pretty much guaranteed us that we would go through some difficult things in this life. Listen to what he says in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This isn't breaking news for any of us, right? In the life that you will go through some hard stuff, you will face challenges in this life and maybe even some uncertainty. But the assurance that Christ gives us is that he has already overcome. He is leading the way towards victory, not only for us, but with us. During times like this we have been facing lately, I hold on to the promises of God. And one of my life verses is Romans 8, verse 28. It says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those who love God who have been called by him to live according to his plan and purpose. We have an assurance. It says we know. We have hope right now that doesn't disappoint. And we may think that things are growing strangely dim with uncertainty and fear may even try to fill where faith once resided. But I have to remind myself of who God is and what his word has promised us as his children. Let me tell you a story. These past few weeks, Candy and I, we've really tried to be careful of how we talk in front of the kids. We want them to enjoy being kids while grownups in their life worry about the grownup things. And so we take time to sit down with them and talk about what is going on, why things have changed with where we can go and what we can do. And we ask them, hey, do you have any questions about it? And we reassure them that God is in control. We talk, we pray, we talk and we pray some more. And what I've seen is that personality-wise, my daughter is ready to get out and socialize. She is the reason that we have some orders in place because she would be everywhere with everybody. My son, on the other hand, is living his best life in quarantine. He is our homebody and he is loving that we don't have to run around all the time. And so what they both get, though, is that they don't have to worry about a thing right, as the song would go. You don't have to worry about a thing. They get to enjoy being kids, working on their school, and enjoying some springtime in East Tennessee. And our Father in Heaven, He wants us to know that He's got this, that He's got us, that we don't have to worry about a thing. He wants us to enjoy being His kids while He takes care of the grown-up things. He wants us to sit with Him and allow Him to reassure us, bring peace that will guard our hearts and minds, and remind us that he is our father, and that we can count on him and his promises. Let's look together this morning for a little bit at 2 Kings chapter 4. So if you have a paper Bible or an electronic Bible other than the screen you're viewing this through, go ahead and pull that up. 2 Kings chapter 4. It says this, starting in verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing in there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the doors behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled. Oh, I love this. And as each is filled, wow, they continued to pour the oil out. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Finally, in verse seven, she went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Let's look at this verse by verse. I'm not sure if Elisha had a direct relationship with the widow or her husband, but appears that he would have at least had a common knowledge of who he was or maybe his reputation, if even just related to the uh, company of prophets that he was a part of. The widow cries out, though, in her distress to Elisha, My husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. She spells out her situation. She's lost her husband, his debts have caught up to the family, and the sons now could be enslaved to work off their debt that their father incurred. This was well within the rights, right? She is begging for mercy. She has just lost her husband and she doesn't want to lose anyone else. In verse 2, we see what the prophet's response is. Elisha's reply directs the widow not towards her lack, but her supply. He says, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And I think maybe the Lord is asking this of each one of us What do you have? In your house if your first response is nothing then i want you to look again because for far too often and far too long i respond like this widow i see my lack but not my supply i see where things are wrong and could be better but i don't see where god is at work i see how empty but not how full i see how much sorrow and despair but i don't see with the eyes of faith and hope towards what god is doing right now and so the widow replied to elisha I don't have anything, right, in her East Tennessee accent, except, she said, I have nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. And in verse 3, Elisha looks in on what this widow does have. I can almost see him frantically telling her to go around and get all the jars you can from your neighbors. I love how God uses what this lady has, but in conjunction with those around her. I believe God is going to use what you already have, but not in isolation. He is going to connect you with people, maybe even with actual neighbors who will lend you what you need to see your supply flow to overflowing. There are some folks listening to this right now who just need to start with what they have. They need to begin to use what God has put inside them, inside their house. They need to use the gifts and talents that they have for his glory and watch how God will use what he has given us in the lives of those around them as well beginning to be filled up as we are filled up. And Elisha says, don't ask for just a few. Oh man, I could stop right here and just preach for a little while because some of us have stopped with minimal obedience. We have done just enough to follow God, to see a few of his blessings, but in order to see his big miracles of his provision, of his healing, of his deliverance, he is asking us to go all in, to go in big, to hold nothing back. Don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a little bit of his power in your life. And Paul writes a prayer that he prays for the Ephesian church. He says, oh, when I'm praying for you, and I pray this for us as well, that our inner man would be strengthened by God's spirit. And he says, I am praying that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. I am praying that you will be rooted and established in love, having a revelation of how wide, long, long, High and deep, God's love for us really is. I am praying that you will be able to grasp an ungraspable love and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And Paul ends this portion of his prayer with these two verses in Ephesians 3. And I want to read verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The God we serve is the God of more than enough. He isn't about to meet the widow's need with just enough using just a few borrowed jars. And God isn't wanting to just barely meet your needs right now. He isn't just wanting to barely get you through emotionally and mentally right now. He wants you to take what you have, stop focusing on what we don't, right? And begin right there. He wants us to begin with what he has given us, no matter how much or how little, no matter how big or how small it may seem to us, because God is the God of impossibles. Nothing is too little. Nothing is too small. Amen. I want to share another story with you from when I was a kid. I remember seeing this play out for my parents. When they first sensed the Lord leading them to start an urban youth ministry, they hadn't taught the first Sunday school class, even taken any kids to camp, or spoken to the first family in our inner city communities. They literally borrowed everything they used to start. They borrowed an old PA equipment and even borrowed lessons. They took their boom box and loaded all of this into the back of my dad's Mazda MPV van and started with what they had. And watching them start with what they had has taught me so much about life and ministry. It has taught me not to despise small beginnings or even small endings if we are being faithful with what God has given to us and called us to. It has taught me that God gives the increase, but he can't increase what isn't being used at all. Multiplying zero by any number is still zero. And in verse four, Elisha goes on to tell the widow, take the jars that you have collected and go back inside your home with your sons and close the door because the need that you have that no one else knows about except that debt collector is about to be met in a big way. And your private needs that are about to be met in private are being met by a sovereign and loving God. And your father who sees in secret will reward you, as Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, verse 6. The reward she was met with that day depended on how many jars she would collect. This reminds me of when Jesus was being followed by two blind men calling out for him to have mercy on them. They found Jesus indoors, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? I'm not 100% clear as to why these miracles continue to take place inside, behind closed doors, but it appears to be a meaningful detail that the writers include for us. And right now, we find ourselves behind doors, maybe even forced into this place, not out of our choosing. But God is telling us that if we will meet with him in secret, while no one else is watching, he will meet us in a big way. Because what he wants to do in our life isn't for show or publicity or even for our own personal marketing. He wants to meet our needs that we haven't even let anyone else know about. He wants to touch places in our heart that we have guarded so well that no one even knows they exist. He's saying, I want to meet you. And no other agenda can muddy the waters of what I'm about to do in your life. And so Jesus turns to these blind men with a similar message that Elisha gave to the widow and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. He had already asked them if they believed that he could do this, if he could heal them. What do you have? I don't have anything except this one jar that only has a little oil in it. According to what you have, according to what you have done with what I have given you, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. verse four, he continues, so the widow instructed to pour oil from what she had into the jars that she had collected from her neighbors. She acted in faith with her sons participating. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. I love the beginning of this verse. She left him. The man of God for the hour wasn't around to make this miracle happen. The miracle happened because a desperate widow acted in faith and obedience to what God instructed her to do through that man but the miracle was not hinge-pinned upon his presence. You don't need me or any other leader in the church to hold your hand and walk you through your miracle. You have someone far greater than a fellow follower. You have Christ Jesus, our Lord, holding your hand and guiding you through each and every difficulty. And according to your faith, may it be done unto you. I love how she is full operating mode, pouring oil into jar after jar. She's asking for more and her sons have to tell her you've already filled every single jar we collected. It was then that the oil stopped flowing. The miracle in her life was complete and it was done according to how many jars she had collected. In verse seven, the widow went to find Elisha to share with him what had happened. And he instructed her, sell the oil, pay your debts. Then you and your sons, you're going to be able to live on what is left. God provided more than enough. Through this miracle, God provided enough for her debts to be paid and for them to be able to live off of the abundance. Just like this woman, God is going to reward your response of faith. You don't need the man of God present for it to happen. We simply need to act in faith with what God has already given us. Respond to what he has already put in your life with faith and believe that he will provide for your every need. This woman made a choice to be a victor that day. She chose to believe the word of the Lord and to act in faith, gathering what she had, having her perspective shifted from her lack to her supply. And she saw God move in a mighty way in her life. And as a result of her response, I believe God wants to meet you in your deepest and darkest needs today. There are places in your heart that you have not let anyone see. But God who sees in secret, he will meet you and he will reward you. What he has done in the past and maybe what he has done in the lives of others, he can do for you. Will you step out in faith today? Will you see how the Lord will meet you right where you are with the level of faith that you have now? Say, God, help me with my unbelief. He will move into those gaps of dependency upon him and work a miracle in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we can come to you as sons and daughters right now because you have adopted us into your royal family. I thank you for your mercy and grace that are new every morning in our lives. Your faithfulness we can count on each and every day. Lord, help us to move towards you in faith today. And for those of us just trying to get faith in our life, Lord, help us to see our supply and not our lack. Help us to see where you are already at work in our life and to believe that you will do it again. Your word tells us that the work you have started in our life, it will be completed. You don't quit. You don't give up or do things halfway. And so we believe you today, Lord, that you started this work in our hearts and you will finish it. You do all things well so we can say that it is well with our soul. Have your way in our lives as we respond to you with trust and faith that you, God, will do miracles. And we thank you for the miracles that will follow and will flow in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love for us. Amen and amen.